Still pretty low on the, you see on the Zencaster waves? Yeah, well, because yours is, yours is like always been, yours has always been really high. Like we can be, I can be this close to the mic talking into it. You can, you can have a look at me. This is how close yeah, I am yeah. to the mic. <laughs> and here's, here's our sound wave. It's always, it's always just been lower. It's yeah, always okay. just come in lower. Sometimes you try so hard mm. and you get so far. Mm. And even in the end. But even in the end. Yeah. <laughs> it just doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter. I see. Welcome to Footy Fellas. Welcome, welcome to Footy Fellas. Welcome to Footy Fellas, coming at you from Chicago and Minnesota. We're going to be talking soccer, life, playing games, playing mind games. we got a little something for you. If you haven't yet, throw us a follow on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Footy Fellas Pod, F-O-O-T-Y, Fellas Pod. This week's episode is sponsored by Speech Teach. And for our main topic this week, we're going to be talking about how certain EPL teams can make the jump heading into next season who they need to add, and who they need to lose, player-wise. So it's going to be getting personal and personnel. Nice. Just made that one up on the spot. That was good. (laughs) But first of all, before we get there, happy Mother's Day to both of you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I haven't had any kids yet. Uh, I can't produce kids, but that means a lot that you would think of me. So thank you. Thank you, moms out there, our moms. Happy Mother's Day. You're not talking to me. You meant like moms in general. Just like all the moms. Yes. Totally. Especially friends of footy fellows. Totally. Moms. You, did you say happy Mother's Day to your mother today? I did. Nice. Did I you did. give her a little call? We did. We spoke on the phone. I wrote her a nice note. Nice. Delivered over email. Nice. Hey. 2021 of me. Was it like an Evite email kind of? Um, no, literally just an email. A Gmail. Ever a heard Gmail. of those? Nope. <laughs> Special. Nice. AIM guy. I see. Did you get anything for your mom? I just teams messaged her. You know, that's the tw- <laughs> really want to go 2021 route. I just uh, <laughs> chimed her on teams. <laughs> no, I, I actually have a little card that I've got to still draft up and probably just going to get a little tiny gift and see her this evening along with my mother-in-law. We're all getting together. Wow. So, so this is the first mother-in-law Mother's Day that you've had. True. Yes, it's a fact. Okay. Don't mess it up. I'm nervous. Is that why you're wearing a turtleneck right now? <laughs> yep. Hiding the neck sweats. If you're not going to go the teams route, you could use Kick. You could Facebook message. Mm-hmm. This is for all the the fofs out there wondering, like, yep. oh, I haven't done anything for my mom yet, and I'm listening the day after recording. I missed it. I need to do something <laughs> right, quick right. before I really mess this up. Right. Use Kick. Use Facebook Messenger. Use Snapchat. Yeah. Use DMer. D- a DM yep. on Instagram yep. or Facebook or yep. Snapchat. Okay. Yep. TikTok, make a video for her. Nice. And that's tag actually, her in it. that's a brilliant idea. That's a brilliant idea. That's a good one. You should probably make a reel or a TikTok for your mom. For Cause Mother's she, Day. Cause she's real. She's and, a real one. And then, she's and then one. send her and then send it to her and she'll be like, what are you sending me? How do I open this? How do I, <laughs> what, what is, how do I access this? And then she'll, and then she'll see it and she'll love it. That's how it works. That's how that's how love is shared digitally. I want to ask both of you, Icy, I'll start with you. What role did your mom mm. play in your soccer career? Can you share an experience, a thread of how she was involved in your soccer career, or a specific memory from the combo of your mom and soccer? Ooh, it's a good one. You know, I have to say uh generally dad took a lot of responsibility on driving to to away games but mom uh came to almost all the matches in high school so she was she was a big high school presence I actually repped the number 29 uh for her birthday april 29th i repped that uh traveling and high school oh uh, oh, that's a lot i already lied high school i was number 12 <laughs> is any of but, this true? Did your mom go to your high school? God, I'm making this all up. Oh, jeez. 
no, no that's, okay. that's all. I'll take it back. That's the best, the, the, the combo of my mom and my soccer career was uh, my jersey number for my traveling team, which I did change it while I was in high school. So to 29. I also was number 29 on the uh, Inter MPLS FC squad before they were Inter Minneapolis FC. So I still rep 29 to this day. That's lovely. Guess who also reps 29? Jonesy. Say it out loud. You know it. You know it. Uh, why do I feel like Kai Havertz is 29? Dude, it's your boy. You know who reps 29. Jones, if you don't get this right, I'm seriously going to punch you through the computer. <laughs> you're He's talk- a United player. You're talking about you talking about my guy? Your boy. Number 29. Oh, no. We're gonna have if to I'm wrong, oh, Wamba- I'm I was going to say Wambasaka. No, oh, my. He cheated. But yeah, <laughs> it's Wambasaka, dude. Let's freaking go. So is that why? Okay, noted. I'll get you Wambasaka jersey for your birthday. Thanks. For, That's for what your, I was going for. for That's birthday. a cerebral right there. You uh-huh. got me, I guess. Uh-huh. <laughs> Except instead of Aaron Wambasaka. It will say Aaron, Aaron Mambasaka. Nice. Pricey's mom. <laughs> Perfect. Mother's Day gift. Beautiful. Jones, uh, experience, memory, thread to share. Mom. Uh, so my mom, oddly enough, mom's my mom's just her number has always been 10 or 9 or 8 or 11. So whenever I would score goals in multiples of those, so like 77 or 100 or 81, things like that, I would dedicate all of them to her. No, she, um, she was, uh, she had to be team mom a lot. Actually, there's a lot of teams where, um, you know, um, like for high school, college, um, and club team every once in a while, my mom was, had to be just, just how, how it kind of just manifested itself. And she never wanted it. She was always thrust into it and she always did a great job and um, she hated it. But like her love for me, I was there. So she was doing it. She was great, great for all that. So um, that that's been that's been her presence. Did uh, did did Tamara, was she just carrying carrying you through all of all of all of King and, and Hamilton? Pretty much. We went with the old chip in the ear approach. So we had an electronic chip in my ear and she would kind of be at the top of the stands <laughs> calling it out like she saw it nice you know they're right back he's weak go at him they're left <laughs> like back. emotionally weak yeah emotionally weak <laughs> like i spoke to his parents on the sideline he just got dumped like go hard at their right back um no she was i don't know if it was literally my first but she coached a couple of the first teams i played on wow with i know she'll listen to this so i'll say minimal soccer knowledge and that's a compliment mm-hmm. because she knew enough and and put in the research to be able to give us like drills that a five-year-old, six-year-old would do mm-hmm. when playing soccer, tiny kids. Mm-hmm. And I think for my first, first game when I was younger than that, before she even coached a couple of those teams, the story I've been told is that I was scared to play and scared to get on the field when I was even smaller than that, perhaps four. And she had to hold my hand and run up and down on the field with me until, until 18. Yes. (laughs) Until I scored a banger, a sick goal. And then that she said that was it. Nice. That was the moment it all changed. And that's when I knew I was going to be doing a soccer podcast 20 something years from then. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, uh, my, I mean, to the soccer knowledge perspective, my, I mean, I don't think it really matters guy or girl, mom or dad, whoever's coaching you. My dad was coaching. And back when we were all younger, soccer really wasn't as ubiquitous as it was, as it is now. And my dad knew that I enjoyed and ran around, kicked the ball a lot in recess. And so he was my coach for the first three or four years of uh, like rec soccer and did his darndest to, to learn. Um, I think it's, I think it's learning curve for all parents. You have to learn what your kid likes. And once you figure out what they've liked, you probably have to learn what that is a little bit more like Roblox. I think we're all going to have to learn Roblox, so let's uh, figure that Speak out. Speak for yourself. I'm playing with a lot of kids. <laughs> Don't have to learn a learn thing. Learn from the source. I'm a master already. <laughs> totally. Totally. It's a learning curve. Soccer's a learning curve. And shout out to all of the team moms, moms who supported in whatever which way, and the moms that play. We, we posted on our Instagram a bunch of professionals, both in the NWSL and in other leagues around the world, mostly U.S. national team players or from the U.S., but moms that are playing at an extremely high level at the professional level, some of the best players in the world, and are also super moms. 
and and shout to the and shout to the moms who aren't with us. Shout to the dads who played mom. Shout to the sisters who played mom. And there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of mom uh, that we get. And fortunately, we have a great game that we can share with so many so many people who care about us. So thanks for thanks for everything, moms. Either of you see the Challenge Cup finals? Able to catch any of the Challenge Cup finals going on yesterday? Definitely watched some uh, some highlights. Couldn't catch the game uh, live, but the highlights were great. The game was great. Uh, came down to the wire, and I don't want to spoil it for the listeners. Now we're going to get into it later on. But yeah, fun game, fun fun way to cap off the the tournament. Yeah, let's let's chat about it a little bit now. I think we can focus our main topic on the, that Premier League piece. But we're talking moms. We'll transition into uh, some of those studs playing earlier in the tournament. Uh, I'm actually not sure if any of them did make it into the finals because there it was Gotham FC and the Portland Thorns, and the Portland Thorns dominated, <laughs> start to finish. Watch the game, and they were just kind of unstoppable. Christine Sinclair. Uh, playing a center attacking mid role, who who put in their first goal. I know this might be in the last week today, so sorry for the the early spoiler. Uh, but she crushed it, scored a beautiful first goal. They just dominated possession, and they've been the best team in the in the entire tournament from start to finish. Basically, Gotham put up a fight. Gotham hung in it, and Carly Lloyd, another all time legend, scored for them in like the 60th, 70th minute to to tie it up one one, and then it went to PKs. And from there, it's anyone's game. Mm-hmm. Never known PKs. You never know. That's what PKs you know. stand for, guys. <laughs> Probably crazy. Mm. Okay. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Didn't make that up on the spot. That's just what it's called. That's how it's known. Yeah, it's true. Facts. Facts. No, I'm I, I you know, I'm happy to see the Portland Thorns uh doing so well and winning and being so successful for this entire tournament. Also, I love that Gotham FC is really making a name for themselves. I think if folks who don't know North Carolina Courage have been a powerhouse in the NWSL. So to get this competitive edge into the league with some some teams uh, besides uh, North Carolina Courage, you know, giving them a run for their money is good for the league, good for good for all teams and and good for the fans. You know, it's good for us, too. We're going to be a little selfish. It's good for us to see some good competitive nature. 100%. And you get these super teams not as often, perhaps, in the NWSL, except the, the Courage have been that. And so to see another potential super team, quote unquote, developing in Portland because they have Sinclair, they have Lindsay Horan in the middle, Crystal Dunn, Sauerbrunn, uh, Simone Charlie up top. Like they have a lot of these players that have either played for the national team, have been the best players in the league at one point, rookie of the year, um, won league MVP like Horan did a couple years ago. And so finally, it's just like building any good franchise in any good league you have the right timing to come together like the Warriors. This could be the potential for a new dynasty to take over from the Courage. Who's the Steph Curry? Who's the Steph Curry? That's tough. You're looking for a long-range kind of quick point guard. I guess Sinclair, just the center attacking mid position, mm-hmm. might equate to like a point guard position. That's a great call. That is, that's the same position. I feel physicality-wise, she's, she's, I feel like she's a little more of um, Clay, maybe a little closer to Clay. Mm. Uh, not, as, not as mobile. <laughs> It's fair. She's a little older. Yeah. Not her speed isn't what sets her apart. Yes. It's her experience being the all-time leading scorer for Canada. I think most international goals out of any player for any country. That'll do it. So that's pretty insane. Congrats to Portland and congrats to Gotham for making it to the finals in their new first year of the rebrand. Let's hear about a couple of other stories around the soccer world from Icy in last week today. Hit it, Tony. All right, we'll start in the Premier League. Man City have yet to claim the Premier League title yet after losing to Chelsea yesterday and Man United winning today. The race for the top five is heating up as Liverpool close in on West Ham and Leicester stumble against Newcastle. On the bottom, we have a good matchup tomorrow with Burnley playing Fulham. It's a must win for Fulham to avoid relegation. However, the likeliest outcome is that by tomorrow, afternoon we will know all three teams being relegated from the premier league two of the known teams who will take their spots are norwich city and watford who were relegated the previous season so a little back and forth action for them let's hop to the champions league for the men we're down to the final two teams and they both come from england 
We have Man City versus Chelsea on May 29th. City looked fantastic versus PSG, frustrating them defensively and decisively counterattacking. Chelsea found a way against Real Madrid, who looked bad in general. Hazard was a non-factor, and Mendy came up big in the net. For the Champions League on the women's side, Chelsea becomes the first club in history to have both its women and men's club teams in the Champions League final in the same season. And so Chelsea will face Barcelona next weekend, a week from today, which is Sunday, so May 16th. And in the Bundesliga, for an amazing ninth season in a row, Bayern Munich claim the league title. There's not much more to say. They're just a straight powerhouse. In Ligue 1, Lille, Lie, however you pronounce that, leads PSG by four points for the top of the table with only two matches left. And big news, Neymar signs a contract extending his time with PSG until 2025. Many wondering if there will be a reunion between him and Messi next season. So we'll keep an eye on that in Syria. Ah, jubilation for all Inter fans across Italy. Inter Milan wins Syria for the first time in 11 years, ending Juventus' run of nine straight titles. Congrats to them in the MLS. The MNUFC squad is solidifying its place as a Minnesota sports team now, losing its first four matches of the season. For all of you who uh, aren't from Minnesota or are from Minnesota, stop hyping up Minnesota sports teams. We never meet the high expectations. So simply trash talk us and maybe we'll play better. Shout out to a dear friend to the pod, Dan Lovitz and his Nashville FC squad for getting win number one of the season yesterday against New England. Nashville is still undefeated in their first four games. The Chicago Fire, like MNUFC, are still looking for their first win of the season. Over to the NWSL, as we just talked about, we had a very exciting championship challenge cup match between the Portland Thorns and Gotham FC, in which Portland won in a shootout, 6-5. So congrats to them. And finally, we've got the Women's Super League uh, across the pond. And Chelsea, just this morning, defeat Reading 5-0. And they claim the Women's Super League uh, title for the season. They're back-to-back champions. Hats off to them for truly an amazing season. And we hope they can top it off in their UCL match in a week from today against Barcelona. So congrats to them. And that's your... Last week today. What a roundup. You brought the heat today, I see. We're messing Got around. The heat. There's a lot going on in the world of footy. Serve it up on a nice platter. I'm eating it all up. I'm gobbling it up. Yummy, yummy. I feel like you had the announcer voice down as well. If you ever wanted to do some voiceovers. Yeah, that's the one thing. I'm, you know, if, if I have words in front of me, oh man, could be good. But put me on a... Right now, it's off the top of the dome. Can you speak? Can you speak? That's all. <laughs> So, so yeah. p- potentially you're in the market for a product perhaps related to that is what you're saying. Let's hear from Speech Teach. And on the other side of this quick ad break, we will be chatting EPL. How do teams get better? A couple of specific teams we're going to call out and call in, tell their, their general managers, their owners, hey, listen to us, the footy fellas, because here is what you need to do this offseason. Guys, I uh, don't know what to say right now. Oh man, oh gosh, now I'm nervous and you're both looking at me like, uh, dude, are you not going to read a prepared statement? Oh man, boy, is this embarrassing. Sure do wish there was an app to help with this. Oh wait, there is. And it's called SpeechTeach. SpeechTeach is an all-in-one speech writing software discovered in a thumb drive found on a meteorite that crashed Earth centuries ago. Don't worry about it. Converted into an app capable for iOS and Android, this time-saving tool will help find the right words for the right moment. SpeechTeach will ask you to enter in common variables to gauge the situation, and then will develop a bespoke speech catered to your desired outcome. Factors like how big is the audience? What's the mood of the room? And is this public will measure to help calibrate the proper response. Whether you're trying to fire the team up for the big game or win over the love of your life, SpeechTeach will find the right words for every moment. And when you go to speechteach.app.gov, 
and enter promo code fellas, you can get 20% off your subscription plus unlimited access to free background music support to help drive home the cinematic emotion. Why quiver when you could be a winner with speech teach today? I love it. The, the dot gov, uh, URL makes me a little nervous, but, uh, overall a winning product. And let me tell you the guys who, the guys on their sales team who sent us this pitch and sent us our whopping check. Nice guys. Great guys. They they actually want to golf soon with us. So, um, open your calendars up boys, but it's good speech teach. I've been using it with Maddie a lot in, in the evenings when I'm too nervous. I don't know what to say to her. Like when we're sitting watching, uh, Netflix, like, uh-huh, and uh, you like the show? <laughs> it's, it's uh, it rocks. Let me tell you, she loves it. We're, we're having good conversations again. Everything's back to normal. Question for you, Icy. When you were talking, interacting with the speech teach sales team, say that a couple times fast. Can you tell? Is it them, or are they using their own product? Is there an easy way to tell? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. On the phone, it was hard to tell when we swapped over to Microsoft Teams and we uh, were, were sharing our screens. I realized, oh, they're eight years old. They were It was speech teach the whole way. It was telling them. I couldn't really discern from their voice because they just had some, they were, they were from Russia. They had some good, nice, deep voices. They were already at hairy, hairy arms, hairy legs. They're eight-year-olds. But um, yeah, no, they, eight-year-olds using speech teach. Fantastic. If they could use extra marketing, I think we could we could create a commercial for them where it shows it's people having conversations and stuff and like maybe the beginning it's you know people it's it's people reading these really profound kind of oratory moments and people are wowed but then as it progresses you start to see how long it takes for them to like generate each of these speeches so like if you respond you're on a date and they say something and you're like you need something to say for the right moment and you know you say so you know the date you say something to me and then i pull up my phone and i like fill in all of the variables for like what's going on yeah how to respond so it like well, turns sh- into like this awkward like right, five show minute us, so show us how it works so say we're on the date together right right, right and right, i right. say why did you order the squids we're at an american hamburger joint what would you then do i would pull up the phone and I would go to the variables. I would say like, how, what's the size of the audience I'm talking to? It's one person. Okay. How long have I known this person? Uh, say it's our first date. Yeah. So 20 minutes, 20 minutes, 20 minutes. Um, uh, what did you, what did you eat prior? Like, how was your digestive system? Are you like good? So you, you'd enter some of those. Okay. There's a lot of very complex things that the, the algorithm puts together. And so it would take me a while to fill them all in. But once they were filled in, say it's like four to 12 minutes, I finished that. And then it gives me a speech that is print. It comes out my printer. So I have to go. Hopefully, but it comes with a portable printer, right? Well, it's yeah. That can connect to a pre if you get pro speech teach pro. Okay. And it can connect to a, uh, What's it called? The hotspot that you set up on your phone. Right. Okay. Because it, it, the, the bandwidth, well, you see the bandwidth for this thing is intense. Okay. So you can't just use the average Wi-Fi. You, okay. need, a, you need a hotspot. So that also comes with it. So the date, would like you would crush the date, but it would take like eight hours, 10 hours take, just to get through dinner. Did I mention, sorry, when the app is downloading, it makes that dial up kind of noise. Okay. <laughs> so it's just like, <laughs> So does that help? Does that change the time at all? Or that's just like something else? No, no, it's just something I, you should know. And your phone will get hot. (laughs) You start playing hot potato with your phone and your day. Oh my God. It gets hot. But the speech is going to be pitch perfect. It's going to be unbelievable. Um, So yeah. Anyway, perfect for any moment, any scenario, speech teach coming to uh, Best Buy near you. Check it out. Check out speech teach. If you want to rock your teacher, it's mind on a, on a date. If you're going on a date with your teacher. That's the, the right time to check out speech teach. We're going to talk some EPL changes heading into next year. We still have a couple of huge game weeks left this year, but we couldn't help but look ahead to next year and think about some of the teams, how they've performed this year. We each picked the team and are going to break down what we think they need to do to take their game to the next level next year. So Icy, we're going to start with you. And I believe you are talking us through the great Leeds United, is that correct? I sure am. Yes. So, for Leeds, arguably the most entertaining Premier League team, I think, of the season. They play with pace, hunger, desire, grit. They never stop running. However, each match day, you really don't know what sort of team you're going to get, right? 
They'll win 5-2 against Newcastle one game week. They'll lose 6-2 to United the next. Uh, a bit all over the place, although it has gotten better uh, towards the end of the season. They've got a great goalkeeper in Meslier. He's only 21. I didn't realize how young he was. And he's gotten better as the season has progressed. So they've got a fantastic goalkeeper who they will keep for a while. I think defensively, very solid. Stuart Dallas, as the three of us talk about every game week, he might be the most versatile player in the league right now. Um, and both wing backs of Ailing and Alioski have been uh, have been really good in attacking and playing defense. So they've been they've been great for the team. Uh, I think the biggest weakness is the midfield. I think their work rate, right, as we know, the entire team is otherworldly, but. When the ball is turned over, they're super prone to counterattacks because they, they push so high up the field. Um, so I think focusing on the midfield as their weak link, um, I've got a couple a couple transfers that I could see working. Um, and yeah, we'll give it a shot. I'll see what you guys think. So obviously the dream transfer, this won't happen. I don't think in our <laughs> in any sort of reality, but dream transfer for the team would be N'Golo Kante. Not only would every team in the world love to have a player like N'Golo Kante, but especially Leeds, I think he fits the team super well. His work rate is unbelievable, um, and he, he's a world-class defensive midfielder. He holds it down for Chelsea, and he would really just help solidify the midfield for Leeds. I think his biggest strength would be when Leeds lose it in the attacking third, he could be the player to slow down that attack uh, really before the, the opposing team gets that counter even started. So I think he could really slow slow down the attack and, and let the Leeds players get back behind the ball uh, to stop and prevent any goals from getting scored. So don't need to talk much more about that. That's the dream transfer. Don't think it'll happen at all. But some realistic transfers, I've got three. James MacArthur from Crystal Palace. Yes, he's 33 years old. But he is, he's a workhorse, and that's exactly what Leeds needs. They won't settle for anything less. Doesn't have a massive ego, works hard, super solid defensively in the midfield. Contract ends this season with Crystal. I think, that, I think that's someone who they could uh, look into for sure. The final two uh, realistic transfers that I'm going to throw out here are, they both play right back for their respective teams. And I do think Leeds will use them in a different positioning uh, if they do take them on. And that is Tariq Lamptey from Brighton and Kyle Walker-Peters from Southampton. Both very young, very skilled, defensive players. Uh, right now, again, they play defensive right wing back. But I think we could put them, Leeds could put them in the center mid, uh, more of a defensive mid position because both these players love to attack. And they're both very good at defense. So I think you put them in there, they can be, work really well alongside Phillips and Coke, who are uh, very solid defensive or defensive mids right now for Leeds. Um, work rate is great. Lamptey's 20. Walker Peters is 24. Really young. And I think that's, I think those three would really, you know, are, are possible options for, for the Leeds squad uh, to, to make them real contenders for next season. Very interesting. Yeah, interesting transfers there and perhaps in a good way somewhat out of the box not who folks might be expecting to take a right back like that who is skilled is young and move them into the center mid position to fit fit lead structure a bit better they have a they have such a unique system it's funny when you think about leads how do you make this team better and your knee-jerk reaction is aside from you know obviously pulling in mega stars you, you really just want straight up athletes it's kind of the best way to, to make it work it's such a man-on-man, -man, uh, athleticism-oriented based team that you need to find guys who fit that mold. A name that that has been talked about, and he actually was he was literally about to sign for the team until he got snagged away by United was Danny James back in back in the day. Danny James actually is well known for yes his pace, and he's not necessarily the most technical player of the world. Um, but he also is known for his defensive capabilities. He gets back late in games. And so um, there's no surprise why Leeds was interested in him. And if, if 
if I were to recommend one other thing in the mix, maybe that's what we do. We, we each throw one more guy that we, that each team could take. I think Danny James could be a good rotation to have in that front three arsenal that, um, that leads could put on in the 60th minute and he'll run them ragged and, and allow Rafinha and Jack Harrison to take breaks or switch with them. I see. Do you think yep. Leeds is a team that would get, say their team stays the same, no huge changes, maybe a player in and out, but no, no major changes to the current makeup of the squad. Are they a team that would get better with time and perform better than they are this season in the Premier League? Or do you think they, they would be in danger of falling off next year? Yeah, it's a good question. I think the, the biggest strength that they brought to the Premier League this season as their inaugural season was they play with such a unique style, so pressing heavy, and they run. I mean, these guys run like 10 miles a game. They're running out of their mind. Um, and I think it caught a lot of teams off guard, especially you saw the first game of the season against Liverpool, 4-3. I mean, they really took Liverpool to the end of that game. Um, so I do think as teams adjust to how Leeds play, it'll be tough. Um, but Leeds, I think, is showing more composure as the season has gone on. They're finally beating teams that they should beat, really, those lower-tier teams. You know, they've performed amazingly well against City. They've beaten Leicester. I don't know if they've beaten United. They, you know, bring Liverpool to the end of games. So, you know, they they play well against quality teams. Can they perform against the weaker teams? I think they can. I think also, I, I mentioned this before, but a huge, if Bamford gets injured, brutal for the team. I think he's such a core part of that squad that he he's he's sort of that player. If if he does get injured up for a long time, they they could really not do well uh, for a few game weeks. Good call out, good call out, Jones. Let's move on to our next next club. We're gonna break down and dissect, which is Arsenal, a club that traditionally top six. They've fallen and slipped and been mocked this year. So how are you going to change that heading into next year? Well, you know, a team that was supposedly supposed to be a, 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 a Super League team is really nowhere near that, um, sitting in 10th. Um, they are they're quite, quite a ways away, and they could use some serious rebuilding. I thought their FA Cup final last year and uh, the emergence of uh, Mikel Arteta as perhaps the next pep uh, is perhaps also fading like Pep's hairline. So I think we need to consider what players might Arsenal use to, um, pardon the pun, but strengthen their Arsenal. Um, in goal, I don't think we need to change anything. I think Bern Leno is doing what he needs to do. Uh, he's been a little shaky here and there, but clearly has the quality and not a main priority. Center back seems to be a hot, hot point with this Arsenal team. You have players like David Luiz, uh, Rob Holding, and Pablo Mari who are playing the bulk of these games and sadly are not going to do it. Um, they are players who are either at the end of their career, David Luiz, um, or players who just are maybe good subs on a top six club, but not necessarily a starter And Rob Holding and Pablo Mari. So uh, one player that I would recommend that they look into grabbing is Sven Botman. The 6'4", 21-year-old Dutchman playing for, yeah, league-leading Lille in France. He is a left-footed, physical, aggressive enforcer with plenty of upside. I think Ajax is regretting selling him already for only $8 million a year ago. He was a hot um, topic for Liverpool, and they were in search for a defender. And I think, honestly, Arsenal uh, could be the next home um, for a future investment. Him and Gabriel in the back line would make good uh, as very athletic, pacey uh, lefties. At right back, Hector Bellerin is likely on his way out if you haven't been paying attention to the trades. And it seems he would go to PSG. Um, With him gone, I think that similar to Leeds, the hot player Tariq Lamptey would make a great addition. We're... Arsenal to convert and stick with a back five where they had three uh, inclusive of Botman, Gabriel, and pick in your third guy. Maybe it's holding for a little bit. You could have your wide backs be Tierney and uh, Lamptey who could flex their pace and uh, athletic know-how. Up top, Aubameyang and Lacazette are aging. And while Martinelli is uh, talented and, and could potentially fill the void soon, I don't think it'd be necessarily soon enough. 
I think they have two options. They can either go for Ryan Brewster and poach the forward who is falling on that um, relegated Sheffield team. Ryan Brewster, as a reminder, talented player coming from Liverpool that Sheffield spent a pretty penny on. So if Arsenal could help recoup some of those funds, that might help uh, Sheffield in their championship journey. If not, I think with Lacazette and his final year of his contract, um, Arsenal could consider leveraging um, or or leaning into Barcelona's serious debt, <clears throat> and if not proposing a swap of some capacity, um, buying Griezmann uh, on the low low. I think Griezmann in this Arsenal team would be a lot of fun, and if they could get him for 20 mil, that would be a no-brainer. Is he going to cost that much? Probably not. We'll see. And then lastly in the midfield, um, I think a really interesting prospect would be bringing in Mateus Pereira from West Brom, another team that's heading down to the championship. Uh, could be a good opportunity for Arsenal to poach him, uh, a guy who can flex into that center attacking mid position where you have Odegaard and Ceballos somewhat on the way out. It's not really defined. Um, and he can also flex into a winger position. Um, with those additions, I think Arsenal could help step the team up and maybe push themselves into top six contention, but definitely not back in the Champions League, at least not for a couple of years. I like it. And the nice thing about Arsenal is that they've got uh, some money in the bank, which is nice when we talk about a team like that. Um, who, you know, another nice thing about them is that they can poach, or, you know, it's a team that historically has been been really good. And they've got trophies, they've got hardware to prove it. So a player coming to a team like that, it's enticing in that matter. Um, I think back to the leads, it'd be hard to get, um, you know, harder to get some some players from a Lille or a Barcelona to consider a team like that. So um, definitely, definitely working for Arsenal there. And yeah, I think uh, you made some great points. I think they really need a restructure. Things are not things are not good, especially I think relationships on the team as well. Great points. I see they're getting a couple of folks back on loan. Like you mentioned, I think Maitland Niles as well mm-hmm. should be coming back on loan next year, but it sounds like in your view, they need, they really need a complete overhaul to make moves going forward. They, they clearly are, at a, they're a long-term project at the moment and they've got some dead weight. They've got some David Louises of the world and Williams. And I really do think a big problem area is going to be Obama Yang and Lacazette aging forwards who are their crown jewels at the moment. Technically, you'd maybe argue Saka as the crown jewel, but they've got an aging team, uh, which which you can spin zone is exciting. It means you're rebuilding, you're replacing them. Um, but I think for this Arsenal team to really hit their stride, it's going to be maybe two years. Um, and if they make some right choices this offseason, they can expedite that process. Fair. Ideal for them would be becoming Chelsea. Signing a bunch of great players. They maybe don't have that kind of cash, for that kind of capital. plus million. Yeah, for a lot of money. And then they figure it out halfway through the next season. Easy. Who uh, who do you uh, recommend that Southampton look at, Eli? Yeah, we're looking at Southampton, a team that might not get talked about as much. And last season, the previous season, they finished in 11th. And it really looked like they were solidifying their place in that mid-table group and could even be challenging for Europa with the type of talent they had, the cohesiveness, the team coming together. Fast forward to this season. Well, fast forward to the beginning of this season. They were living up to that promise. They started off the season super strong, lost their first two games, and then had a streak of seven undefeated and wins in seven of their next 10 games. Um, So they were in the race for the top six, and at one point they were actually top of the Premier League table for the first time in club history after a number of games into the season. Wow, Southampton is pulling it all together. Could they make Europa League? How long will they stay up here? Unfortunately, in the second half of the season, they fell off super hard, including a 9-0 defeat to Man U and a 3-0 loss to West Brom. Super plagued by injuries, however, as well. A couple of articles that I found, one of them titled Southampton, The Extent of Saints' Terrible Injury Problems Revealed, and a lot of articles talking about their injuries. So it's tough to get a gauge on where the team is at. If they have their team at full health, their potential seems closer to the first half of the season, Southampton, versus if they're hit by injuries, that exposes their lack of depth. That's one area I'm about to recommend them plussing up on going into next season. But it does seem like they're on the cusp of having a team that could be more consistently top 10, probably right at the edge of that. 
but should not be in 16th. So kind of an interesting time for Southampton. I think their future prospects, their young prospects are strong with Nathan Redman, Walker Peters, who you both have mentioned as, as a potential transfer. So important that he stays, but uh, who else? Ward Prowse and Danny Ings, of course, top tier striker. None of their main guys contracts expire next year. So they kind of have a chance to run it back if they want. A couple of big guys expire in 2022 with Ings, Vestigard, and Ward Prowse. But a lot of solid young players, Shea Adams, Nathan Tella is a, is a striker who's been starting for them recently and has been good. Their manager acknowledged Ralph, I'm going to mispronounce his last Hausen name. Hausen Hutel. Hausen Hutel, thank you. Uh, he said in March of the season, we need in the summer a lot of new players. So here's who I think he could be referring to, and this is the, the Southampton wish list. First, a box-to-box midfielder that isn't Stuart Armstrong. One of the players they were linked to prior to this season was Weston McKinney. No way. Imagine Weston McKinney, and I've heard that he's potentially could be moving from Juventus. So is it likely at Southampton? I don't think so. But the fact that he's been linked in the past, if they're willing to shell out the money, he's proven himself as a midfielder, box to box, very strong. I think he would be a massive improvement for them in the midfield. Another fellow that I was learning more about today, Oliver Ncham, who is a Celtic midfielder that is playing for Marseille right now. And his play style is, is seen as similar to Hoiberg. Hoiberg. Yeah, Hoiberg. Hoiberg on Tottenham. So again, another box-to-box midfielder, just much stronger because you need someone to offset that James Ward-Prowse attacking ability. He's not as strong of a defender, not as strong in the air, but he's great on free kicks, great at whipping in good balls and and finding players, dishing it out wide. So I think first they need another box-to-box midfielder that would be starting caliber. Second, you need a starting winger that isn't Nathan Redman or an aging Theo Walcott. A bunch of random players out there that could fill this need. Danny James, who you mentioned from Man U. Skirt. Ademola Lookman from Fulham, who's going down. Skirt. And might need to get rid of some of their players. So he's been really strong for Fulham this season. Could be a huge play for Southampton. Christian Pavone, a winger for Boca Juniors. Some of these are more speculative. Um, Yoan Wisa, a guy I was learning more about today, who's a winger for Lorient in the French League. I think there's a lot of young French players that have potential. Anyways, they need a new starting winger. Need someone with higher caliber. Theo's getting old. Nathan Redmond's fine, but he's been injured for a lot of the season. That's second. Lastly, they need more defensive options off the bench or starting. Their defense in the past has been one of their strong points, but with all the injuries they've had, it's just exposed them. And they lost, they gave up nine goals to Manu and three goals to West Brom. So Manu's really good. So they need someone. <laughs> so is West Brom. They need someone like Brandon Williams at left back. Nice Manu, another Manu player and they were linked to him back in December. Takahiro Tomiyasu as a center back or right back, also linked to last summer. He is a Japanese player that plays for Serie A club Bologna. Or Evan Ndika at center back who plays for Eintracht Frankfurt. They just need depth. Even if it's not someone that's going to come in and usurp any of their starting players, they need more depth all around the pitch and especially on defense. So Southampton has the real potential to get back to their first half of this season's form. Like maybe not top, top six club throughout a season, but definitely top 10, not 16th. And they need to get a little luckier health wise. And they need to prepare for those types of scenarios better next season. That's awesome. Um, so are you saying that, that with more depth by simply adding a, a, a better, a deeper, slightly deeper roster, they could nail, like they could definitively be a, a mid tier 10 ish spot. Is that kind of your the one piece of it, and then and then a plus up that they could move into the top eight potential if they get some some bigger hitters. That's my thesis. That's my thesis for Southampton's twenty twenty one twenty two prospects. It remains to be seen if they're willing to shell out the cash for someone like Weston McKinney. That's a big ask, but maybe even just adding some of these other players should definitively move them from sixteenth to thirteenth at worst. I do think the the Man United players you just referenced, Danny James and Brandon Williams, are two youngsters. Danny James is like maybe 22 or 23, and Brandon Williams is maybe 21. Those are guys who are not getting nearly enough tick for their age, at a time when they need to be growing. Um, I feel like if Southampton came to the table offering some some lucrative options for these guys, they would be they would jump in a heartbeat. Um, it's always a problem for Man United that 
or any player playing at a big club like Man United, they have some stupid salary, so it's always hard to match that. Great points, Eli. A couple of players that I think will be fun to look at as we go on that weren't on any of the teams we mentioned or any transfers or transfers out that we talked about, but Kane, Harry Kane, where's he going to go? Where's he going to end up? I think, and I hope he leaves Tottenham uh, personally. And Declan Rice, I remember Jones, we talked, and I was like, why did Declan Rice stay with West Ham? What is he doing? They're not good. They didn't do that well last season, and why did he? they're in fifth right now. So kudos to him for sticking around. Does he jump ship for a better team, or is he? You haven't heard much from him. I mean, he's, he's just a really solid defensive midfield that, you know, is very technically sound and a gifted young player. So I think those two would be interesting to see what happens to them. Yeah, I you know, I think as the summer approaches and we hop into transfer heavy talks and maybe maybe pull in Fabrizio Romano as a guest on the on the pod. Um not spoiling anything. Um I just do a mean Italian accent is that um <laughs> Harry Kane leaving seems like a certainty. Um we hope and um uh the other guy you mentioned Declan Rice Declan Rice is a huge he's a Mason Mount's like best friend from childhood he he was he played in Chelsea's academy before he left to West Ham um the the only certainty we know about Declan Rice is that he is going to cost like upwards of 100 to You think to, upwards I was going to say wow. 80. you think upwards of 100 I think the the West Ham is holding him for ransom they recognize he is the future of the England national team he is a center defensive mid he'll be playing for a while um, and they know that 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 is a prized possession for a top six club like a Chelsea or United, who both recognize that they are in an arms race to own the Premier League for the next five years. So we'll see. Do you think do both of you think he's more ex- would be more expensive than Jack Grealish? Ooh, that's, that's a great a question. Great. I yeah. think Declan Rice is only because Declan Rice is, if I'm not mistaken, like four years, three years younger. Yeah, that. Um, yeah. So that's, that's the biggest factor. I would say that and also add on that Grealish is, and they say it all the time, the hev- most heavily fouled player in the league. As an owner, the the risk of injury is just so high. Uh, I'd say, yeah, Declan Rice would be, would be more expensive. Yeah. And so, I mean, three huge game weeks to get through right now, looking like the teams that are getting relegated will be relegated, like you said earlier, I see in last week today. But it could make a difference who's making Champions League football next year in the top four to see if they're willing to spend that extra money to get one of these players we're talking about. I guess it wouldn't be an Arsenal, a Southampton, or Leeds, but some of the other clubs for a player like Grealish or Rice. Let's finish it off with a little game we haven't played before. It's a spinoff of one of your favorite games, I see that we love. We were talking about this is so fun for us. You've been doing recently with the two truths and a lie type format. So this is even simpler. This is basically one truth and a lie, except we're calling it Believe It or Not, like Ripley's Believe It or Not. Hey, nice. Because that expression, it pisses me off that that expression <laughs> is now used, Just it's just thrown out all willy-nilly. Like, oh, believe it or not, and then you say something that happened. When the expression is believe it or not. So right. I'm going to give you guys a chance to say whether you believe it or not. Okay. <laughs> Great. A couple of quickies. Icy first, believe it or not, and that's a question. Southampton has a player on their current squad that started and won a Champions League final. That started and won a Champions League. I... Ings? No, no way. I don't believe it. This is true. You should have believed it. And it's a it's a tough one that I only threw on here because Jones mentioned it this morning. It is Ryan Bertrand, their oh. left back, who hasn't played for them for a couple of games. Uh, I'm not sure exactly why. It might be an injury. But he started for Chelsea in the 2012-2013 Champions League final against uh, Bayern Munich. They had a lot of injuries, and so he, uh, wow. he got the nod. It's a fun fact. So you should have believed it. <laughs> Second, believe it or not, Jones, do you believe it? Man U are the most successful team in England and have won 18 league titles. True. Believe it. Believe it. You've just been exposed. You should have not believed it. They've won 20 league titles, and I said 18. (laughs) No! (laughs) They're better than I thought. Yeah, no, they are the most successful team in England. I had to get really tricky there to try (laughs) try and pull a Ripley on over you. Two more. Believe it or not, Icy. 
I, Eli, have always loved putting hot sauce on eggs, rice, and most other edible goods. I know Jones loves doing that. Is he a big influence on you currently? So that means that you wouldn't have always liked that. I would say I don't believe your statement. You have recently started doing that. Wow. Give him, a, give him a slow clap. That, was, slow clap. that was like watching a little uh, Sherlock Holmes right there. That was great. I should have, yeah, I shouldn't have, you read my face. I shouldn't have stared right at you because you just <laughs> nailed every part of that. <laughs> yes. Jones, believe it or not, the first person to be charged with speeding was going 15 miles an hour. Uh, I believe that. I believe that. Like, uh, back in the day. Like, uh, yeah, why not? I don't know how they caught them, but sure. It's a fast piggyback ride. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You've seen the record, I see. You can just call it out. Saw the police report. Um, you're, if, if he's Sherlock Holmes, you are Watson. Nice. Because... You're not as smart as him. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Watson, I'll take it. Because you were half right. I, I'm just being extra tricky today. It's 16 miles per hour? No, it's eight. <laughs> According to the Guinness World Records, the first person to be charged with speeding was Walter Arnold of the English village of Paddockwood, Kent. On January 28th, 1896, Arnold was spotted going four times the speed limit in his 19th century Benz. But since the speed limit at the time was just two miles an hour, that meant he was going too fast. <laughs> too fast, too furious. Dang, imagine yeah. if our cars, we were bragging about going eight miles an hour. Look at me whipping this thing. <laughs> windows, windows down. <laughs> Someone's Yikes. walking right by you. That's tough. Yeah, the, it went on to say that a policeman with a bicycle caught off to him really quickly. I'm not joking. Uh, and that's how he got his first ticket. So basically a piggyback ride in an original leather car. Is Benz. Delicious. If you have a car that goes faster than eight miles an hour, like, comment, and subscribe to Footy Fellas. And if you don't, what should they do? Hug your mom or or say just, hey, out there in the world, happy Mother's Day. That's what I would do. That's what I do every day. You could do both. I think that's, that's a good one. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. now thinking about it, you should do both of those things. Yeah, maybe at the same time. Because we appreciate you listening if you've made it this far and we appreciate you listening if you've always listened if this isn't your first episode if it is get out make it your last yeah get out of here <laughs> we don't want you and we'll see you next week have a great life see you next week You're rocking a turtleneck today. Talk us through that. Uh, what happened? You know, you know, the turtleneck vibes I'm just discovering are, it's just my inner, this is me. Like The turtleneck, I love turtlenecks. 